Good morning. Today, Bezrat Hashem, we'll be learning Daf Pei Beis in Maseches Yuma. We promised Andrew that we're going to try to finish Daf Pei Beis, but we are starting on the last three words of Pei Aleph. Amud Aleph, climbing up like Teddy Bogachar up the Pyrenees. That's a uh, wasting precious seconds on a Tour de France reference. We're going to just push ahead now. You ready? We were discussing the source. Very interesting question altogether. We know, we already know what the, so to speak, punishment, right, uh, is for a violation of eating on Yom Kippur, but we're just looking for a linguistic trigger where it is called a azhara in the, in the psukim. Um, and so, right, the psukim are not that ambiguous or vague with regards to what the, the punishment is, but with regards to just a love, it was not, so we're searching for the love. So we had several suggestions. One was be'etzem, be'etzem, the, that the idea of the gezeira shava of Shabbos to Yom Kippur, just like there's a Hazara on Shabbos, so too there's a Hazara on Yom Kippur. And now, the last three words on pay Aleph and Aleph for Papa Amar. If Papa says, who gufi Shabbos ikri, that Yom Kippur itself is called Shabbos, dixiv, Tishbedu Shabbat Tishbedu Shabbat Shem, right? The pasuk itself, when it says with regards to Yom Kippur, it says Tishbedu Shabbat Shem. Rashi gives two reasons why we are not saying Shabbat Shabbaton because Yom Kippur is also called Shabbat Shabbaton, and uh, gives two reasons. Okay, um, but we're but we're charging along, so we are. Suffice it to say that both of those psukim refer to. Um, Yom Kippur as Shabbos itself, and so we don't need the Gzair Shabbos necessarily of Etzim Etzim is the point. So Gemara asks, "Bishleimer of Papa Lomer Kervachem Yaakov, right? The Adif." So this is again, this is Rav Papa making the suggestion, whereas uh, Rav Achab Yaakov was basically saying Shabbat Shabbaton. That's the pasuk is with regards to Shabbos, and that's Mi Shabbos Bracious, right? When he says Mi Shabbos Bracious, he means Shabbos, otherwise known as Shabbos. So Shabbos, he's here. He's here is a reference that Rav Elazar Yaakov was saying. So Rav Yaakov basically was saying we learn it from Shabbos and the Zegzeir Shabbat from Shabbos to Yom Kippur. Whereas Rav Papa is saying, why do you need to even get to the Zegzeir Shabbat? The idea of Shabbos is embedded in the words of Yom Kippur itself, where it says Tishbuzu Shabbos Chem. Fine. Um, Right, so, and again, Rashi's pointing out that even with respect to Yom Kippur, Shabbat Shabbaton is, is used. So, so but, but that, be that as it may, there's Pukim that refer to Shabbos, both in Yom Kippur and Shabbos. And so, Rav Papa is just pointing out that we could use the references of Shabbos from Yom Kippur itself. So the Gemara's understanding that Rav Papa has an edge over Right, Rav Acha Yaakov, because the pasuk is within Yom Kippur itself. And Rav Acha Yaakov, my time alone, Rav Papa. Why would Rav Acha Yaakov use a pasuk outside of Yom Kippur to teach you Shabbos? It says the Gemara, Mibayla Chenetanya, because Rav Yaakov needs that pasuk um, in in Yom Kippur to teach you something else. What's that other thing? Because the pasuk actually says something. When you read the pasuk, it's fa- it's just fascinating. Vayikor Chav Gimel Lamed Beis says, Shabbat Shabbaton, this is referring to Yom Kippur. Shabbat Shabbaton, hulachem, so as advertised, 
Yom Kippur is called Shabbat Shabbaton. V'yinisem es nafsho seichem b'tisha l'chodesh b'erev. Mi'erev ad erev tishvidu Shabbatchem. Wow. When do we fast? We fast on Yom Kippur, the 10th day of Tishrei. And yet it says, b'tisha b'chodesh. Well, do you fast on the 9th or do you fast on the 10th? So it says, b'tisha l'chodesh b'erev, in the evening. erev ad erev. What does all of that mean? That extra verbiage. So this is where we darshan it out. That's why, says, right, Rav Achabar Yaakov, he's not going to use Shabbat Shabbat, uh, the, the, uh, the Pasuk of, uh, of Rav Papa as follows. You might have thought they were going to start on the 9th of Tishrei, right? Well, that makes sense, right? Because we don't really say that you fast on the 9th. We say in the evening. However, maybe it means that you only fast once you have Erev, meaning like whatever. No, but it's Shkia, which is to say you have to start a little bit earlier. Okay, it said maschilum is anami ba'odium. Right? This is what we'll call tosefes, right? Yom Kippur. Right? You're going to add a little bit. You're not going to, uh, you're going to start fasting, you know, a few minutes before. Mikan shemosifin michol ala kodesh. And from there we see that we add, right? Michol ala kodesh from Arab Yom Kippur a little bit. We fast a little bit towards the end in order to add to Yom Kippur. And then you may have thought that that would only be in the beginning, before, prior to Yom Kippur. How do you know that after Shul, after Ne'ilah, you daven marv, and then you do whatever, um, Kiddush Levana, and you hold up a little bit towards the end there also. Evening till evening, which is to say, you have to sefes Yom Kippurim on both sides. You might have thought that Yom Kippurim is the only time because this is a pasuk in reference to Yom Kippur. Shabbos is minayin. How are you going to know for Shabbos? Tamidlomar tish besu. Only okay. So it says tish besu, which sounds like any time that you have Shabbos on. The girsos here are all over the place. You see a lot of parentheses and brackets, but you get the idea, right? That. You may have thought Tish Besu only extends not only to Yom Kippur, but also to Shabbos. How would you know Yom Tovim? Right? Tish Besu Shabbat Chem. That's what, that's the Pasuk that Rapapa quoted. Tish Besu Shabbat Chem and Shabbat Shabbaton are both mentioned, right? That they are bookending this, this uh, incredible Pasuk of Eikra Chavkei Malamed Beis. Start Shabbat Shabbaton. Okay, so, uh, so again, within that pasuk, you have, you have this, uh, th- this idea. And so, Rav, Rav Papa's suggestion is the Tish Betu Shabbat Chem at the end, and Rav Achav Yaakov does not want to use that one, because Talmud Lomar, Shabbat Chem, right, Ha'ketzad, what is this Shabbat Chem? Kol Malkom Shenem Ashvus, Mosifim Mechalal HaKodesh. So he uses the sh- sh- Tish Betu Shabbat Chem to teach you the concept, again, of Tosefes mi chol alakodesh in Shabbos, Yantiv, and Yom Kippur. Good. So then the Gemara asks, Ratana de Etzem Etzem. Oh, and you're seeing also a reference to Shemitah, where well, you saw that in Rashi. <coughs> you saw it in, in the Art Scroll. Good. Um, this concluding part of the Brysa comes to include the Shemitah law. Since there's a command to not work the fields in the seventh year, you have to add from that, okay? At any rate, since the Brysa expands to Shabbat Chem, we need it. Rav Yaakov doesn't derive it from 
from the uh, warning for Inui, as Rav Papa does, right? Because he doesn't have it, Mufna, for that reason, right? Okay, so, so Barry points out, also for Shemitah. Great point, Barry. Uh, that there's a Tosefes on Shemitah, okay? In other words, they, they said um, you, you shouldn't work for a period of time at the end of the sixth year and a period of time at the beginning of the eighth year as well. Yeah, in other words, this extension of Shemitah. It Tosefes me... Michal Kodesh to Shemitah, they don't start exactly that day, maybe a little bit the day before and the day after Shemitah. Uh, this is not just the beginning and end of, of a day, but of that Shemitah year. Incredible. Coming up, by the way. I thought I saw once that that does not apply today. The Tosefet Shemitah doesn't apply today, you saw somewhere? Yeah, that uh, it only applies to the base of Mikdash, but I could be wrong. Barry, did you see that in the Tour de France there was a guy... Uh, holding up a sign and the whole peloton crashed into each other. It was a very, very big deal in the middle of the Tour de France. So I'm, I'm just saying, um, I, I don't want to get into a crash here, but this is a very important point. <laughs> uh, no, so, 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 so we're going to have to investigate, Sarah Ian, what is the concept of, uh, of Tosefes Shabbos with regards to Shemitah? Okay. I'll, I'll ask her of Gross Blineder. I'll ask him what, his, what the story is with this. Amazing. Okay, thank you. So, Vitana etzem the etzem etzem, hi betisha lachodesh my avidle. So the question is, what do you do with all of this right tisha bechodesh hak that we just discussed? If you're holding it from the other source, you know we just learned so many things from it. So where are you going to learn that from? So the Gemara says mi midifti. He he uses it for that which chia barav midifti used it for, which is what. He says, oh, this is, an, uh, this is a lacha that also applies today, Barry. You'll, you'll see. But do we fast on, for on the 9th of Tishrei? Certainly not. Right? We fast on the 10th. That's when your Kippur is. This you might have heard. That there's a special mitzvah to eat all day. And some uh, posts can even say, you know, you should graze and eat all the time on the, and, or multiple su'udas, whatever it is, and multiple reasons why that is, either to make it easier to fast on, uh, on, on Yom Kippur, or to make the contrast, or to show how much Akash Baruch Hu loves us, that he's asking, that he wants us to be, nutri- uh, to have nutrition and hydration going into Yom Kippur. But be that as it may, this whole Tisha thing, in the context of the of Rav Barav Medifti is not a Tosefes Shabbos and Yontiv and Yom Kippur thing, but it's explicitly to talk to us about the mitzvah of eating on Erev Yom Kippur. Good. Okay, two dots mid-page. Uh, Zalman Doiv said, there's no way you're going to get through this in five, ten minutes, and so far he was right, but we're still, we still got this. Achal ochlen she'en ruin la'chila. Okay, so the last thing that the Mishnah had said was that there is no Isra of Achila on inedible foods. Amar Rava, kas pupil biyom dekipur pater. Kas zangila biyom dekipur pater. So if you eat straight up pepperberries or, or uh, ginger straight up, you're going to be pater because that's not considered eating. Is that true? Meisve, we have a b'raisa which says, Okay, there's a pasuk that teaches you you're not allowed to eat Orla fruit, right? The first three years of the tree. Wait a minute. I know 
that that the tree that you're not going to eat the tree. But what does it mean when it says food tree? We know that it's talking about a food tree. In other words, obviously, we're we're talking about the iser of orla. You're talking about fruit that comes from a tree. Where else is it going to come from? It means that the Isser of Orla, or the principle of Orla, applies also to some of those rare fruits, right, where the actual tree portion, what we'll call, of the tree and the fruit tastes the same. We know that after the Chet Haaretz, right, it used to be in Gan and all the trees taste like the fruit, but then it, the Tam Haaretz was no longer Ketam Pri, but some Rare species have retained this idea where the tree tastes like the fruit. Usually, that means the fruit's not so delicious. What's the case? Have you omer zet pilpilin? That means that's the pepper tree. Okay? That peppers are, in fact, and we also know it comes to teach you that the land of Israel doesn't lack anything. You're not going to lack anything. Well, in all the context of this discussion of Eretz Yisrael and how awesome it is and this Orla, we come up with this pepper, right, berry, and turns out that it's chayv and Orla, and the presumption is if it's chayv and Orla, it sounds like it's certainly edible, right? Inedible fruits are not going to be chayv and Orla. And if it's edible, so then why are we saying that it's not edible and thus you're not chayv for eating it on Yom Kippur? So therefore, says the Gemara, lo kasha. Harbir, Yeah, like, like the way you could imagine is pepper and pepper steak. That obviously is edible, and you'd be chayev to eat that. But pepper, like pepper that you that that you take out of a pepper shaker, salt and pepper, that is dry, and that's not edible. Okay, that's basically we we'll call it like that. First wide line. I'm a ravina l'ramayma. This is the something that comes out of the electuary that comes to the land of the Hindus. That's not edible. That was straight out of the art scroll, how I described that. What is this thing? It's the ginger. That sounds like that electuary that comes out of the Hindus is in fact ginger, and we say Boripiyadama, it sounds like it's edible, so again, Lokasha. Dry ginger is not the same thing. That's not a proper food. Uh, raw, dry ginger is not even edible, but what one is. So now, other foods that are not achila, taner banan, achal alei kanim pater. You can eat uh, reeds, lulovei gifanim chayev. But grapevines, no. Those are more edible. Eloheim lulovei gifanim. Amar Yitzchak Migdalah. What are the shoots of the grapevines? Rav Yitzchak Migdalah says, kol shaliv lulovim rosh hashanah vad yom kippurim. They sprout from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur. It's the 30 days preceding Yom Kippur. Those are the ones that are called Lovig Fanim. Right? Sounds like if you eat the leaves, your Pater and the Gifanim, uh, your Chayev. That's the Brisa we just quote, quoted. But if you read the Hemshach of the Brisa, it says that the Lovig Fanim are, in fact, as the Brisa continues to say, sounds exactly like Rav Yitzchak Migdalah. Good. Two dots, five lines up from the bottom, pay Aleph from Beit. What about fish brine, fish fats? So fish brine, fish fats, he's going to be Pater. Chomets, vinegar, he's going to be Chayev. So it sounds like vinegar is, in fact, edible. Masnisin money. Nobody eats fish brine straight, I guess. Who is the town of that? Mishnah? Rebbe. The Tanya. Rebbe. Rebbe loves, he loves vinegar. He thinks it's awesome. 
So therefore, he's the town of the Mishnah that says that it's Asr on Yom Kippur. Darash Rav Gidol Bar Menashe Mebiri Dinerash Beirish Beiri of Neresh expounded in a sheer quality like this. Ain halachic Rebbe. We don't hold like Rebbe because because he held that what vinegar was inedible and therefore there's no iser on vinegar. We just said that Rebbe held that there is an iser on vinegar. So one time the sheer quality. Rav Gidl Bar Menashe from Beira of Neresh <coughs> gave this big shear. Don't worry about it, guys. You could drink vinegar, Lashana, next year on Yom Kippur. They were going nuts. It was a vinegar party on Yom Kippur. Shama Rav Gidl Ve'ikpad. Rav Gidl, who gave that shear, became angry. See? He created a monster. Amar Amar De Amri Anad Diavid. When I said that the Allah is not like Rebbe, right? I meant Bidiavid. I didn't say that you could have vinegar parties. That's first of all, right? And Amri on the Porta, and also, I would just meant that if Bidyevid, you had a little bit of vinegar, I don't think you're going to be Chayev on Yom Kippur for the Isra Karis of Achila Yom Kippur because I don't think that that's what normal people do. But I didn't mean that you should make a vinegar party and just have a vinegar keggers, right? Yeah, I meant like if you had like a teaspoon of vinegar by accident, not that you have. Right, big vinegar uh, celebration, right, but for Hester with giant vats of vinegar. And so, so three, three things that they did in this vinegar party that made him upset. Number one, they did it at Number two, they were having vinegar vats and keggers in, in giant amounts. And number three, they actually diluted it. Well, that, that's really already, that's not even vinegar. That's that has a lot of water. You know, there's an issue of drinking, as we've said, on Yom Kippur as well. And so that was an improper practice. And so now we finally arrived to pay Bezam and Aleph, Zalm and Daiv. It took us, and I'm not going to do the math now, but we, we have um, 35 minutes. Okay, we have 35 minutes to do Daf Pei Bez. Andrew, we got you. Here we go. Says the Mishnah on the top of Pei Bez Amad Aleph. Fascinating concept. What do we do with the mitzvah of Chinuch with regards to fasting on Yom Kippur? Fascinating idea. Says Rashi, We don't have a chiyuv to starve the kids on, right? To, so so um, Birnbaum said, starve the kids? So just right away, this first sentence could be understood in a lot of different ways. We don't make the kids fast. So it's interesting. Does it mean uh, that we are allowed to make them fast? Does it mean that when we say we don't make them fast, does it mean that we don't give them dessert and candies? Because we want to give them a concept of a fast, does it, or does it mean that, right? So every one of these possibilities is reflected in some parish or another. So not everybody agrees. Rashi has like a very specific thing. In Chayavim Lemnama in Michael, there's no chiyuv to right to, to reduce whatever you give them. You can just let them eat like a regular day. Is basically how Rashi explains it. That's not how everybody understands this Mishnah. Some would say, well, don't starve them, but don't give them you know dessert. Some would say. Right, that you're not allowed to starve them, uh, and you and, and you have to. Ain me'anin a son is apparently it's alluded to in the Rambam. Ain me'anin a son means that you are not allowed to uh, have aspects of aspirations of uh, reducing the intake of children's food when they're really young. 
But be that as it may, the focus of this mission is not so much the Tinokos. There we know that there is no training for fasting. The focus of our Mishnah is when do you in fact start training for fasting? It is an unusual thing that it seems like this mitzvah, Birnbaum asked me last night, why Dafka Yom Kippur do we train for? Well, as we'll see in our Mishnah in the coming seconds, we train for Yom Kippur. This is a halacha. And it's found in Shulchan Aruch. The idea that, that you start fasting, not for any other fasts, as some people uh, say, three fasts, however you may have heard all, all this, none of this, according to Rabari Leibowitz Shlita, is found in Shulchan Aruch. The only one where it's an actual halacha is Yom Kippur. On Yom Kippur, there is a halacha. I'll say it outside first. It's, we're not going to see it inside because it gets very technical with how the Rishonim understand the Gemara we're about to read. But apparently at age 11, okay, if the child is up for it, regardless of whether it's a, a son or a daughter, even though they are bar mitzvah, one at 12 and the other at 13, right? At age 11, I think it, he said, you start uh, fasting, basically, midir abanon. Uh, we're going to get into this now. But it is fascinating that that's only true for Yom Kippur, certainly, but really, uh, as far as fast is concerned, but really, of, we don't see, we, ha- we know that there's a mitzvah of chinuch on other on other things in general. There's always a mitzvah of chinuch. But here is where we have a halacha uh, where it's sort of like a chiv der for people who are not bar yet, right? And so that is in, indeed a fascinating thing. Is it a chiv of fasting der uh, or is it a chiv of chinuch that is specifically applied? So Berman says, why dafka fasting in Kippur? So I told him, balabatish, it's the only mitzvah that I could think of that you really have to ramp up to it. You have to train for it in a sense, right? Because you have to be, get used to fasting all day. It may be hard to go straight from not fasting ever at all to fasting all day, and therefore you have to train for it. You, know, you don't have to do that for a lulav. That you could do without much training. Oh, you don't have to. I, I've been training for eating kazais of matzah my whole life. I don't think you have to train for that, but that's a good point. Okay, so. <laughs> um, fine. So. That's with regards to children. There you don't have this training. Aval says the Mishnah, So, right, once they get close to their bar mitzvah, right, then a year or two before, you start training for fasting. So that you should be ready for it. So the Gemara asks, Would we say Ben Shimon and Tesha where? In the Gemara? Yeah, we're going to get to it. In the Gemara. Yes, yeah, so you're going to see. What is this year or two? First of all, if you start training a year, two years before, why do you have to tell me that you're training a year before? Right? And obviously, you've already been training since two, two years, since last year. So that's the first question of the Gemara. Gemara asks, Okay, so you start training two years before. Why is the Mishnah telling you that you're training a year before? Obviously. So, So another very interesting aspect of this halacha is that it's subjective, Right? Uh, we're going to start, we're going to see there's a psychology to training, right? There's a lot of Tour de France references embedded in here, but there's a psychology to training. Um, some people are more, right, that's stronger than others. Okay, how do you, how do you judge that? That's a whole hawk in itself, right? Is it, you know, do you ask the kid? Do you ask the doctor? Okay, but be that as it may, we know basically who, who the sickly ones and who the stronger ones are, the hardier ones, and, and that's how we determine one or two years, which is to say, it's somewhat subjective, and you do the training based on who is fit for it. Okay. So now we have a machlokas about the age of when this starts. So Amar Avuna, Ben Shemona Ben Tesha, as Barry pointed out, Mechanchil Solashos, 
Okay, you start when you're eight or nine years old. So again, there's going to be layers here of is it a boy or a girl, and is it uh, a sick or a healthy child, right? So in this context, we're going to see Ravuna even say even though he says Ben Shmona, some of the Yehonim say why it's Ben Shmona. He's talking about a girl. Okay, so a girl is bat mitzvah at twelve. And therefore, he's saying, that when you're eight or nine years old, you start training, right? Mechanchen um, means you start doing it one hour, two hours, three hours, right? You start ramping it up. Here's a, our first reference to this idea of mashlimin midrabanan. It's an incredible thing. That's what I'm talking about. The chiyuv, it seems, derabanan, where you're doing what I'll call a dress rehearsal. A full fast, mashlimim means, as opposed to l'shaos, where you do like a partial fast, mashlimim is a full fast. So once they're 10 or 11 years old, which is to say, a year or two before your bas mitzvah, as our, right, Mishnah suggests, you have the real fast. You, you go through a real dress rehearsal. Ben Once she's 12, then, of course, she's a bar chiyuva, bas chiyuva, and then she's going to do, right, the full thing, the real thing. The real fast. This is betinokes. That's in the case of a girl. He's going to say thing, the same thing just one year over, right, because he's going to talk about a boy, but it's the same idea. There's three stages. Stage one, is just to start ramping up. Between, right, 11 and 12, you do this dress rehearsal. Mashlimin derabanan. A full fast, but midarabanan. And then finally, ben shloshasrei, when you arrive at your bar mitzvah age, mashlimin midarabanan. So that's when you do the real fast, betinok. And that's by a boy, okay? So we have this concept, both by Ravuna and by Rav Nachman. What they're agreeing is about the same thing. It's just one is talking about a girl, one other is talking about the boy, but there is no machlokas between them. They are agreeing that it's a three-stage process. Stage one, you start ramping up the kilometers or the hours, as it were. Stage two, you have this full dress rehearsal, where you fast the whole day, the year or two years before your bar or bat mitzvah, depending on whether you're healthy enough to do it two years before. And then, finally, you arrive at Yom Kippur and you do it for real. That's the concept of Rav Huna and Rav Nachman. However, Rabbi Yochanan Amar, Rabbi Yochanan does not believe in this dress rehearsal. He says, you, you train, 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 but you don't have this dress rehearsal, you don't have this chiyuv derabanan of a full fast ever until you actually become a bar chiyuva. As follows, Rabbi Yochanan Amar, hashlama derabanan leka. He doesn't hold of this dress rehearsal year of where you have, where you've seen perhaps uh, kids who say, who say, oh, I have to fast now because it's the year or two before my bar mitzvah. Rabbi Yochanan does not hold of that. And thus, says Rabbi Yochanan, ben eser ben achadasrei mechanchem solishos, that, right? He, so therefore, because he doesn't hold of this dress rehearsal, everything gets pushed um, forward a year. In other words, everything starts a year later. You start the chinuch when they're 10 or 11. And ben shtemesrei mashlinimim daraisa. This is, this is talking about a girl, right? That once she reaches bat mitzvah, then she's doing daraisa. So fundamentally, he holds that there's no chiv of this, of this darabanan, hashlama darabanan. So the Gemara is going to challenge um, Rabbi Yochanan with our Mishnah. It says, Tznan. This is an interesting challenge here. Hatinokas ain't man on Biyoma Kippurim. That's the beginning of our Mishnah. Aval mechanchen on lifnei shana lifnei shtaim. So it's interesting. Here it says lifnei shana lifnei shtaim. So just to orient ourselves, a year or two before 
starting the Chinuch, that's actually consistent with Rabbi Yochanan, because that's Rabbi Yochanan's Shita. It's, it's, uh, it's Rav Huna and Rav Nachman who say that you start two and three years before. So in fact, our Mishnah, at first blush, looks like Rabbi Yochanan. But for the fact that the Mishnah says, Lifnei Shana, Lifnei Shtaim, which the Gemara understands means a year, pushing back a year more than it sounds. So that's what the Gemara says now. Bishlim, Rav Huna, Rav Nachman, Lifnei Shana, Lifnei Shtaim, Lifnei Shana, Lidivneim, Lifnei Shtaim, Lidivrei Torah, which is actually... There's girsa, um, there's girsa mayhem over here. So, um, and there's different ways to read this Gemara. The cleanest, I believe, is to say it like this. I think it's close to what Rashi is saying, like this. That, in other words, one year before the Darbanan and two years before the Darraisa. So, for, so the first thing is, lifnei shan of lifnei time, the word lifnei pushes it back. It means before two years and before, before one year and before two years, which is to say, before two years and before three years. That's the first thing that they read into the Mishnah. So, okay, so before, which is to say, two and three years before, which is to say, one year before the Durabanan and two years before the Duraisa. That's what it means, right? And, and, so, and so what it basically is saying is, right, so now you can read, that's how the Gemara reads. I, I explained it outside, and then Burma, I'm saying, okay, now read it inside, see how that fits. So it does. Right? Which is to say, the training starts when? The training lashaos, right? When you start ramping up the kilometers or the hours, it starts when? A year prior to the Chi of Durabanan, which only Ravun and Rav Nachman hold of. And then two years prior, the real Chi of Duraisa. That's how you read that, uh, our, our, the Gemara's reading of our Mishnah. Okay. So that sounds not like Rabbi Yochanan, right? Because Rabbi Yochanan doesn't have this stage of the Durabanan. He just starts right before. So Rabbi Yochanan, so, so says the Gemara, Right, so Rabbi Yochanan Kasha, it's a Kasha to Rabbi Yochanan. So Amalak Rabbi Yochanan, no. In Ema Shana Oshna time Samuchlapirkan. It does say that our Mishnah is not really talking about right a year or two prior to the Chi of Durabanan dress rehearsal, but rather to their actual bar mitzvah. And that's how we would have read the Mishnah anyways. So Rabbi Yochanan has a way of reading the Mishnah where there is no intermediate, right, Hashlama Durabanan, as Rav Nachman and Ravuna suggested, so that's fine. So now we're at the first wide line on Pei And Tashma, the Tani Rabbi Bar Shmuel, now we're going to have a challenge to Ravuna and Rav Nachman. It says, in the Brisa, Tinokas ein me'anen asan b'yom kippurim, starts a lot like our Mishnah, So that is a Lashon that is less ambiguous and sounds exactly like Rabbi Yochanan. You start a year or two before. Remember, Rav Huna and Rav Nachman are going to say that you start two or three years before. So says the Gemara, Bishlem, Rabbi Yochanan, I understand this sounds a lot like Rabbi Yochanan. Rav Huna, Rav Nachman, Kasha. What do Rav Huna and Rav Nachman say about this year or two before Brisa? Says the Gemara, Amilach Rabbanan, my chinuch nami diktani. Hashlama. Whoa. Amazing. In other words, instead of Shas, as Yitzit points out, in other words, the Chinuch is the Chi of Darbanan. That's the point. Right? This Chinuch that they're talking about, so our Mishnah, and the way we read it was, we thought Chinuch means that's when you start training. Training as in, let's try half a day. Right? Let's try ramping it up. But no. The, the, the way Rav Huna and Rav Nachman would read this brisa is that when it talks about the training, it's talking about the dress rehearsal gufa. Right? The actual dress rehearsal, which is what I call the derabanan full fast prior to the fast, is in fact the chinuch that we're talking about. 
So the Gemara objects to that. It says, You call that chinuch? That's not chinuch. That sounds like a chi of derabanan. After all, what's chinuch? Chinuch is training, right? That's what the Brisa says. And the Brisa, in fact, says it beferish. The Brisa says, Eza chinuch. Chinuch means a guy is used to going two kilometers, you teach him 20, you teach him 200. Um, uh, today's stage is 200, I think, 40. You can't go more than uh, 250, Barry. Uh, and more, uh, you can't go above, to, I don't think, in any, uh, in any of the 21 stages. It doesn't matter. The point is, you're ramping it up. That's what chinuch is. Ramping up the eating. Okay. So, how do you answer that? So, an unbelievable thing. The first Chakira, Brisker Chakira, the first Svedinim that we've encountered in Shas. Says Rava Barula, Trechi Nuche Havo. Oh, it's Svedinim Bachinuch, which is to say, two things, right? In other words, do we call Hashlama Chinuch? Yes. In other words, ramping up and training is Chinuch. Dress rehearsal is also Chinuch. There's two different aspects of chinuch. One is the part where you're actually training and ramping up and getting ready to do the dress rehearsal. But the dress rehearsal is a form of chinuch also. Uh, this is, again, there's, there's some lambdas here, I believe. Uh, aside from the tzvedinim lambdas, there's a lambdas of, is this chinuch, is this derabanan, it, it, it's hard for me to believe that a child that's not yet a bar chiyuva is anything other than the mitzvah of chinuch. Right? In other words, the other way to say it would be that it's a mitzvah, there are bun and a fasting on Yom Kippur the year before your bar mitzvah. But be that as it may, point is that that's how Rav Huna and Rav Nachman would understand it. They would say that this b'risa that says that you do the chinuch a year or two before is referring to gufa, the hashlama der right? The dress rehearsal. Because that too is a form of chinuch. That's the point. Okay. We're good? Okay. Mishnah, middle of Pebez Amidalaf. Totally different idea. So now we have a woman who's pregnant and she's smelling and craving food on Yom Kippur. An unbelievable We feed her until she feels relieved. Right? Uh, okay. As much as she needs to, to feel relieved, she's considered a cholashiyesh bosakana. Okay. Uh, this would be true potentially, say the Mepharshim of any cholashiyesh bosakana, but for the fact that the cholashiyesh bosakana with the most cravings is typically a pregnant woman. Pickles and ice cream, right? Chole machinoto al af al pibekin. So uh, the chole sheyesh b'sakana, however, has a slightly different threshold. Seems like a lower threshold, right? The woman who's craving and she's pregnant, we we don't listen to a doctor because who's to say what this craving, uh, where this craving uh, goes? And you don't want to get right. The most important thing is pikuach nefesh, as we'll see. But. If it's chola, uh, and we're doing like a clinical diagnosis here, so then you have to go up bikin. Mefarshim point out bikin here is in plural, so you get a second opinion. Also, get two doctors, and you find out how much we can feed him, and that's what we're going to feed him. We ancient bikin, but if there's no doctor in the house, machinos al piatzmo achiyomar die. So then already we could go with his with his idea, right? Um, and what what he thinks is enough, because again we don't want him to be in danger. So says the Gemara. Tanur Banan. Uber shehiricha basa. This is an incredible halacha here. Uber shehiricha basar kodesh or basar chazir. She gets a hankering for Mickey D's. Okay, so it's it's interesting. Those are not the same thing. In other words, basar kodesh is kachim of kosher kosher food that she's not allowed to eat because she's not allowed to eat kachim. Uh, and basar chazir. Right, but what they call in Israel basar lavan, right? That's chazer treif. Well, that's a different thing. You can't get chazer treif. Uh, that's kosher, but you can get kachim. That's kosher. 
Why does she dafka want kachim, Barry? Like, in other words, she can get the same meat in kosher that's not kachim. So it's interesting. It, you see that there's definitely psychology here, right? It's like, for whatever reason, she got this bug in her head that she wants this kachim. So what do you first do? Tochavin lakush berotev. You stick a spindle into the soup where it was cooked. Umanichin la'alpia. You put it on her mouth. There, there's like less of an iser because it's not really the food itself. B'mamashos. If that's good enough, if that's relieves, that's fine. Otherwise, you give it the soup itself, where again, it's a little bit removed because it's Tom Ki'iker, not for now, all the, right, all the Yerodea aspects of why this is a little bit better. But we try, the point is, to not go full on with Kachim or Chazir, but to give her like a sense, sense of it, essence of it, Get a little closer. It could be an iser derayish. It could be an iser derbanan, but it's a lesser iser. And vim nitiyashva daita mutav. And if she feels relieved, that's good. Vim lav machinos hashuman atzma. But if not, you're gonna have to give her the actual fat that she's not allowed to eat. She ain't chadavish army pnei pikuach nefesh because after all, pikuach nefesh is the most important thing. Chutz me'avodazar v'gilarais v'shichos damim. Except for the big three, as we know, avodazar gilarais and shvichos damim. Now, uh, Birnbaum was was nonplussed. He says, wait a minute. I mean, what's going on here? Why, she wants Kutchin, for example. That's why he couldn't, he's like, why don't we try to convince her out of this? Right? In other words, give her, tell her it's the same meat and just give her the meat. And we're, we're, I understand, Pikuach Nefesh is the most important thing, but she wants Kutchin, Dafka, it's a Mishagas. We, we can't tell her that it's a Mishagas, so we'll see. We have a case where we did try to talk her out of it, but I thought the exact opposite. We know that when it comes to Pikuach Nefesh, we don't ask any questions. Like, why are we even going in gradations? What if she dies from her, so to speak, um, desire for this kachim meat while you're pachking around with the, with the, with the shpud and with the, and with the gravy? Like, she, that's, she didn't say shpud and gravy. She said she wanted the meat, right? We're not supposed to hesitate at all. So there's a lot here, obviously, in terms of how you modulate, right? But the chiddush is that we do modulate her desires with, obviously, a very strong uh, desire to try to also uh, uh, make sure that she's fasting on Yom Kippur. So here's really funny. It's 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 uh, unusual that where we're hesitating even at all, and we're trying to reduce the iser, uh, even though it's pikuach nefesh. Now we're launched into the topic of the big three of pikuach nefesh at the almost symbolic time of six twelve a.m. And we're going to make it, I think, Barry. Whew, Avodah army Nalan. So how do we know that the big three are docha pikuach nefesh? Titania. This is a pasuk that we're very familiar with. So, so we see clearly what's that is presumed to mean you should love your Hashem in, uh, to the exclusion of all others, right? We love Hashem, and this is the pasuk that says, don't get caught up in the other. Elilim, right? Chas uh, v'shalom. You love Hashem. This is uh, alluding to no avodah for you. You are a monogamous or whatever. You are one Hashem man. Okay. So Rabbi Leizer says, okay. So you love Hashem with all your soul. So why, if it says bechol nafshecha, why does it have to say bechol modecha? Ve'im nemar bechol modecha, lama nemar bechol nafshecha? And if it says modecha, why nafshecha? So im yeshlocha adam shegufa chavi lo memono. You see, one means your life, the other means your money. Modecha means your, mo- your money. So what we're trying to say is Hashem should be more important than whatever is the most important thing to you. So if the most important thing to you is your money, so it's, Hashem is even more important than that. You should love Hashem more than money. 
And if the most important thing to you is your life, then you should love your Hashem more than your life. Okay? Um, so everyone asks, who in the right mind likes money more than life? After all, what good is your money if you don't have your life? So the article has a cute formulation of this. It says, although life is certainly more precious than money in the Torah's hierarchy of values, this would not prevent the Yetzirah from arguing otherwise. <laughs> Which is to say, yeah, look around. Uh, how many people leave the house at four in the morning, work, like they don't have time for shul, they don't have time for daf, they don't have time for anything, get home like one in the morning the next day or whatever it is, and then just go through that rat race from beginning to end. What is their life? They're just, right? That's one way of saying it. Another way of saying it, Ravari Leibowitz said, I forgot the, 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 the Mufarish that he quoted, is guys who, they have CDs. They can't wait for their CDs to mature. So it's almost like in 25 years, these, these stocks and bonds or whatever are going to mature, right? All of, they're going to get all the interest. And they just can't wait. Like, in other words, they're so excited to see this maturation of the money 25 years from now, in the meantime, losing sight of the fact that in the meantime, they're losing 25 precious years, so to speak. They can't wait for the years to rush by uh, so that they can see the maturation of their money. Okay, different applications of the concept where sometimes we focus on the forest from the trees, we'll call it, or on the things that are uh, right in front of our face. It's way more common. The, 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 the kasha is not so strong. We see it every day, okay? So... Uh, it's an unfortunate reality that even though it doesn't make sense, people get um, hyper-focused and preoccupied with this desire for the money that's right in front of them, um, and sometimes they're willing to give up a lot of their life uh, for it. Fine. Um, this is, uh, when we lived in Israel, you know, Israel and even Europe, but other places, like the lifestyle is totally different with regards to, to uh, materialism. So they, in Israel, they say that in America, you make a living, and in Israel, you live. You know, this is like, uh, it's, a, it's an application of this idea. Okay. Uh, Baruch Hashem, I think we're, 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 trying, we're trying to live here too, right, Barry? Okay. So here we go. Gila Arayas Veshichas Dami. So that is about a Zara, right? Because that's from the Pasuk. Now, Gila Arayas Veshichas Dami Minalan, the Tanya, Rebbe Yomer, Ki Kasher Yakum Ishal Reir, Urtzacha Nefesh Minadavar, Kein Hadavar Hazeh. What's going on here? Well, there's a Naram Arasa here. The Pasuk in Devarim, Chav Bez, Chavav. It says, this is an unbelievable Pasuk. The Pasha Pshat of the Pasuk is actually a Chiddush that the Torah brought to the world, which Birnbaum points out is in the Arab world, whatever I forgot where he quoted, still is a Chiddush, which is to say, when a woman, Rahman al-Islam, gets raped and she's trying to kill her assailant, there are women who are thrown in jail and given the death penalty for killing their rapists, Okay around the world, and culturally that was always true until the Torah stood up and said that what? This is Ari Libut said, this is the Chiddush of the Torah, that this woman killing her assailant, right, who's trying to violate her, is allowed to do so, just like any man who's trying to kill his would-be killer, okay? So Chiddush in the world, that a Nara Murasa, who's who, a man uh, who has an assailant, who's trying to, right, get at her, is allowed to kill. That's what the Pasha Pshat of the Pasuk, right? Nara, you don't do anything to the Nara who killed her assa- would-be assailant, right? Because, just like when, if somebody was coming to kill you, he'd be considered what we call a rodef and you'd be able to preempt him and kill him. So to this woman who has the would-be assailant coming upon her, she can kill him as well. Unbelievable. Well, says the Gemara, 
right? What's the tzushta between a killer and an aramarasa? And I raise a balalamid to teach you that, right? So there's a subject and a teaching for both, as follows. Just like an aramarasa, right, as we just said, can save her life by killing her assailant, so too a, kill, a, a, human, a, a, a human being can kill his would be killer, right, preemptively. And furthermore, we're going to see the last Rashi in Pebezo Aleph. That just like a rotzeach, it's yarg val yavor. So, so here we go. Shvichas damim and gilarais. We just had a vodazara. Now we're learning shvichas damim and gilarais. How so? Says Rashi. Im yomru. If somebody comes over to you and says baol arusas chavercha or tearing, you you know um, shmerel just had kiddushin with shprinza. Uh, you have to be boel shprinza, or I'm going to kill you. Yarg val yavor. So you say, okay, kill me. Aye, that's if somebody tells you that. That's the case. Aval he shprinza herself. She has no yarg valyavor. He ain't osa klum because she's not doing anything when it comes to the gilar rias. The karka olam balmahi. She is passive in the act of gilar rias. Viraya ladaver Esther, and the raya is Esther Hamalka, who was able to do what she did, as famously we say in Megillah, because she was karka olam. And we say in Sanhedrin, we talk about this idea of the the big three of gilar rias, shvichel tamim, and avodazara that she was passive. Because she's passive, she has no Isser of Gilar Arias, or at least no Yarva Yavor aspect of Gilar Arias. So as we turn the page to Pei Bezom and Bez, you see not a lot of Gemara, and that's why we could do the finish line in five minutes, but wow, is that a big Tosos. So what is going on? So uh, we're not going to go through the whole Tosos, obviously, now in the five minutes, but here's the point. You thought that there was the big three, Shri Chosdom, Gilar Arias, and Avodah Zarah. But really, for women, Rashi is saying, there's only the big two. Because after all, Avodah Zarah and Shvichos Damim applies to women. But Gilar Arayas doesn't apply to women, says Rashi. They are Karka Olam. They are passive participants in Gilar Arayas. So Tosa says, uh, okay. But first of all, they could be active participants, in theory. Right? They're not always passive participant, number one. Also, by the way, Ritzicha has aspects of passivity also. The famous trolley conundrum. You're on a trolley and it's headed towards a group of five people and it's going to kill them all. And you have the power to divert the trolley so that it kills Shmerel on the other, right, in a, on a different track. So wouldn't you do that? You could save all those five people, albeit at the expense of Shmerel's life. Well, that's a kumvase. You're going and you're actively killing Shmerel. You, he's an innocent person. He doesn't deserve necessarily to be killed. And yet, you're diverting the, the trolley, kum Or should you do the sheve al and just let things be as they may? At least you're not doing anything. Wow. An unbelievable conundrum. Philosophers have uh, bantered it around for years and years. The Torah perhaps has a philosophy. Rabbi Moshe Walter, the making of a mensch, has a little chapter on it. Uh, not a full discourse. You have to see Shurim from uh, Nassau Wiederblank on it. Be that as it may, that is an aspect, as this is all what Tosfos is getting at, right? Uh, this is where, this is where they're gonna get the sugya of passivity, also obviously farhesia. The idea of, if it's bifarhesia, uh, a dafyomi, calendrical coincidence, the farhesia of Parshas Pinchas, of the Giloy Arias, uh, would the woman be high of bifarhesia? Presumably yes, even though she's passive, okay? So we have uh, a lot of elements that are brought in, in, in this, uh, in this Parsha, okay. So now we're saying just 
So we understand that just like a Rotzeach is Yarg Valyavar, so too is a Narmarasa, so too Gilar Rais. But how do you know that killing is Yarg Valyavar? So Svarhi. Here's the Svar. Somebody came over the Rava with the following crazy Shaila. He said that the governor showed up in my house and he said, He says, You have to go kill Shmerel, otherwise we're going to kill you. So what should I do, Rabbi? So Amalei, so Rav said, Nikhtalach, yeah, let him kill you. What? Yeah, let him kill you. You can't kill Shmerel. Lo tiktol. My chazas de dama didach sumak tvei. Dilma dama dahu gavar sumak How do you know that your blood is redder than Beryl's? Maybe Beryl and Shmerel's blood is better, is more than yours. In other words, in other words, it's a svara. What's a svara? Rashi, an unbelievable formulation. Kloma, how do you know that it's mutter? Oh, so he says like this. How do we know typically it's amazing. What's the purpose of life? The tachlis habriya is to do mitzvahs. Okay? So let's say you have to give your life for a mitzvah. Should you do it? Of course you should do it. What's your measly life worth? It's just a passing, right, fleeting thing. Mitzvah Hashem is the only thing, right, that, that, that endures. And so it's a chiddish in the Torah, says Rashi. Right? Tamas shudavu. Lefisha chaviva nafshan shil yisraeli fa'amokam yotem in a mitzvah. A tremendous chiddush that even in the face of the mitzvah you should live in, in order and not violate the mitzvah. He likes Hashem Soma Chaviv in Israel. He wants you to be able to live. So now it's an even playing field. So in the event where it's your life versus a mitzvah, we have a tremendous chiddush. Your life is more important. But in the event where it's your life versus another person's life, it cancels each other's out. Now the only thing that's left is the mitzvah. Now that the only thing that's left is the mitzvah, so of course, it's Yarva, you allow yourself to be killed. Why should he be killed? Amazing. So finally, uh, the, the Uber with the one minute left, he Ubered Somebody had a hankering, um, for something on Yom Kippur. They said, whisper in her ear, it's Yom Kippur. They whispered to her and she didn't crave it anymore. A said she had a tremendous child because Rabbi Yochanan came from that pregnancy. Amazing. As opposed to, when they asked not Rabbi about a different woman, they said, whispered to her, Jim Kippur, it didn't do away with the cravings. She still had cravings. On her, the Pasuk says, as we arrive at Begim Alamed Aleph, Zohar Rishayim Erechem. Uh, wicked are strange from room, Nafamina Shabsai Yatsaperi. And from her came not Rabbi Yochanan, but Shabsai the fruit seller, who was not, who was price gouging. And there's a lot to say here about the philosophy of, right, we see here the subjectivity. I mean, uh, Birnbaum was incensed. You are, she was within her rights, halachically. Okay, maybe she was. But let's leave that as a may for the Musser embedded therein. Have a good Shabbos.